Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock. Happy Monday to you. Happy day after football to you. I'm a little unshaven, a little, you know, can you tell I, I look a little rustic today, I think. Yeah, you, yeah, you, you, you look like you. Unkempt. Yeah. That's the good word. <laughs> That's the word of the day for you. Kempt, buddy. Uh, Jim, we're not going to talk about this today, but uh, are you concerned about the Kansas City Chiefs? They're in last place in the AFC West. Yep. Yep, what? I'm concerned. <laughs> That's all you got? The Chiefs are one and two and in last you know place what, in the Honestly, AFC West? Let me tell you this. It would be, I mean, yes, the Chiefs, first of all, when you play arrogant, you turn over the ball, you're supposed to lose. But man, I mean, is the Raiders beginning to buy into John Gruden? Oh, yeah, the Raiders are for real. I mean, seriously. I, I told mean, everyone that. You know, I, but so are the Chargers. The Chargers got a good head coach. First of all, good I, quarterback and the Bosa, one of the Bosa brothers. First of all, y'all don't remember, but this boy came off the bench against the Chiefs last year. When you gave when you gave uh, the quarterback the shot in the ribs, Tyrod Taylor. I yeah, think. I mean, he year. came up, so he's not afraid of the Chiefs. Yeah, I saw what he did, so I'm like, Jim. You know, they took our guy Andy Reid to the hospital after the game, dehydration. Did you hear that? Did you know that? Yeah, I could imagine. <laughs> so we got some issues in Kansas City, but that's not our topic. We got 17 games, man. We got yeah, 17 I games. Do, I, yeah, that's right. One and two is not as bad as it used to be when it was only 16 games. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one, yeah. All right. All right. Uh, Greg Couch is going to join us later in the show. He's got an interesting take on Matt Stafford. He thinks Matt Stafford is the best player in the NFL right now, best quarterback. Whatever. Oh, my. Best thing since sliced bread. <clears throat> but we're going to begin today's show talking about the vaxxed and unvaxxed. And Shamika Michelle, you remember the superstar from last week, Shamika Michelle? Oh, yeah. Uh, Jim got her to come back on the show uh, in a quick turnaround. She's coming back on the show. So I'm going to start a fire, and then hopefully we're going to bring Shamika Michelle in, and she's going to throw gas on that fire. Uh, so let me start the fire. And Jim, let's, you, we do have a Bible story today, correct? Yes, sir, we do. Oh, we have a Bible. So stick around for that, and we'll have the approval rating on one of these topics on Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. But let me start here with the fire. Rolling Stone magazine and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar sold out. Oh, boy. They're flax for the establishment now, fighting to uphold vaccine conscription. Kyrie Irving is Muhammad Ali, a conscientious objector, resisting an unjust culture war. Over the weekend, Rolling Stone published a long-winded hit piece on Irving and other NBA players who were reluctant to take the experimental COVID vaccines. According to Rolling Stone, anti-vax NBA players are standing in the way of the league imposing a vaccine mandate. This is a bad look for a league that prides itself on being left of Karl Marx. Irving is seen as the leader of the anti-vaxxers who are pushing around the NBA, according to the writer Matt Sullivan. The article painted Irving as a nut job. It criticized him for liking posts from an Instagram account that previously posted messages alleging conspiracy theories against black people. The magazine trotted out 74-year-old Abdul-Jabbar, a 1960s radical who supported Ali to reprise the role of David Susskind, the 1960s television host who shredded Ali for refusing induction into the military. Saying, quote, this is from Abdul-Jabbar, the NBA should insist that all players and staff are vaccinated or remove them from their team. 
That's Luau sellout talking to Rolling Stone. Oh. He went on, there's no room for players who are willing to risk the health and lives of their teammates, staff, and the fans simply because they are unable to grasp the seriousness of the situation or do the necessary research. They are failing to live up to the responsibilities that come with celebrity. Athletes are under no obligation to be spokespersons for the government, but this is a matter of public health. 50 years ago, religious convictions caused Lou Al Cinder to change his name to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. That same man is now driven by celebrity convictions? He's mad athletes are not living up their responsibilities <laughs> as celebrities? Well, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? Someone help me out here. What are the responsibilities of celebrities? Are those responsibilities articulated in the Bible, the Quran, the Torah? Maybe it goes something like this. Thou shalt not disagree with the satanic cabal running Hollywood. Ugh. Thou shalt not be seen as black if you don't vote for Joe Biden. Ugh. When Democrats are in power, thou shalt inject yourself with experimental drugs without complaint. Mm. Is that what, maybe that's in the Quran, the Torah, the, it's not in the Bible that I'm aware of. We'll consult with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. In one breath, Kareem is claiming current NBA players don't grasp the seriousness of the situation. And in the next breath, he's arguing Irving has a duty to live up to the responsibilities of celebrity. Is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, is he serious? Is he a serious person? Kareem is allegedly a Muslim. Arguing for the responsibilities of celebrity is the promotion of idolatry, Kareem. Islam strictly prohibits idolatry. It's called shirk. As a Muslim or a serious person, Kareem should realize Irving's only duty is to serve God, not celebrity, not the government, not the desires of a 74-year-old sellout. Ali stood against the draft on religious principle, not celebrity principle. When Ali refused induction, he was smeared as a nut job who joined a religious organization, the Nation of Islam, that promoted conspiracy theories against black people. Does any of that sound familiar? A little bit. Kyrie Irving is being treated like Muhammad Ali. Irving, Andrew Wiggins, Jonathan Isaacs, and other unvaccinated NBA players face a similar fate as Ali. Their careers could be halted and cut short. They could lose millions of dollars. Irving plays for Brooklyn. Wiggins plays for Golden State. New York and San Francisco have laws that won't allow unvaccinated athletes to play indoors. Irving and Wiggins could be forced to sit at least half of their games. Here's what Ali told the media years later about his decision to disobey draft orders. Consuls won't let me go shoot my brother. Uh, some darker people, uh, some poor hungry people in the mud for big powerful America and shoot them for what? They never called me n They never lynched me. They didn't put no dogs on me. They didn't rob me of my nationality, rape and kill my mother and father. What am I going to shoot them for what? How can I go shoot them? Them little poor little black people, little babies and children, women. How can I shoot them poor people? I would just take me to jail. Let me rephrase what Irving would say, or let me paraphrase what Irving would say if he channeled his inner Muhammad Ali. My conscience won't let me take the jab or be used as a celebrity influencer to convince black people or poor people to take the jab for big, powerful America. Take the jab for what? COVID never called me a victim. A virus never segregated me to second-class citizenship. Never heard a 29-year-old in as good a shape as me? No one believes Kyrie Irving is jeopardizing his health by refusing the vaccine. He's in peak health. COVID poses no threat to his life. No one really believes the unvaccinated pose a threat to the vaccinated. 
vaccinated people are contracting COVID and spreading COVID. The vaccinated want to impose the vaccine on everybody because they've taken the vax. That's it. I did it, so you gotta do it. It's the same reasoning that drove the backlash against Ali. No one believed in the Vietnam War. No one saw the war as central to protecting America and American freedom. Vietnam was a propaganda campaign for the military industrial complex. Ali courageously avoided his celebrity responsibility to and refused to participate in that propaganda campaign. Kyrie is standing against the pharmaceutical industrial complex that sponsors a high percentage of the advertisements aired during NFL, NBA, and Major League Baseball games. Rolling Stone and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, they're the sellouts. <coughs> Jim, that's my fire for today. Mm. And I guess I'm gonna have to join you. <laughs> I mean, now first of all, now you know I, I honor Kareem. Now, you you know, do? I'm just saying, hey, man, Kirk, he's a legend. I'm just saying, it's, I, I can't go around and just beat up people as easy as you. I'm just saying. <laughs> Kareem just deserves honest. it. I just This whole thing, we're about to bring Mashika, Mashika, Shamika Michelle on to join us, but this whole little anti-vax thing and the anti-vax, even calling people anti-vax bothers me because it, it's like, <clears throat> before I came to Nashville, I had no appreciation for or really much interest in country music. Okay. I was not anti-country music. I just it just wasn't for me. It just was and that's the same way. I'm not I don't think Kyrie Irving is anti-vax. He just doesn't believe it's for him. And he has every right to think that. If he were a 50-year-old overweight person, he you know what this vaccine's for me. But because he's 29 years old and in great shape, he's like, nah, I'm good. And there's a bunch of other young people in the NBA and these sports league that are like, nah, that's not for me. That's for somebody else. You like country music? I like R&B. I'm not anti-country music. And again, now that I've lived here in Nashville the past year, I'm starting to develop an appreciation for country music. But before that, I had none. Since you live across the street from the yeah. club that blates it all weekend. <laughs> <laughs> now, I have an interest. Anyway, let's uh, go out to North Carolina and bring in the superstar of this show. Uh, you know, at least last week. We'll see if she can do it again. Uh, before you, you, you doubting the sister, man? I'm not doubting her oh, at wait, all. Wait, wait, you, you, you don't think she can, she can repeat the performance? Man, come well, on, let's get to this. Let's man. get to. She certainly has an it factor. Would you call her it factor at 25? Yes, yes. Yeah, that's a perfect it factor. Yes. Uh, Shamika Michelle, uh, welcome back to the program. And I want to, I want to start here. That we already look better. Just with her on camera, the show just looks better. Wouldn't you agree, Jim? I don't see myself in that show. Oh, that show definitely looks better. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does. Uh, Shamika, what do you think about my take on Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Rolling Stone being the real sellouts? I just want to say chocolate is scrunches when it crunches. That's why I love Nestle Crunch. That was oh, Mr. Hypocrite himself in 1983 <laughs> pushing uh, candy bars when we know that black people are twice as likely to die from diabetes as white people. You know, uh, we are 40% more likely to suffer from high blood pressure and black men are 70% more likely to die from stroke than white men. So that didn't have, you know, he didn't have any issue pushing those things on us before. He pushed fried chicken. He sat with Larry and pushed uh, baked lay, I mean, Lay's potato chips, not even the baked ones. And so what a hypocrite in talking about public health. If you want to talk about public health, I never seen him do a national campaign on wrapping it up when you have 50 to 60 percent of NBA players that have children out of wedlock, Larry Bird. So while you were sitting with him talking about potato chips, you should have been talking about keeping yourselves protected. And so I think he's a hypocrite. I'm not really into it. He's 70. He's already had his career. You have no right to tell these young men what to do with their bodies. You're you're with all due respect, sir. Someone needs to pull him up a high bar stool for him to have a seat.
Boom. Mm. See? See? Off to a good start. Yeah, I mean, talking about, oh, honey, she going to be. <laughs> Go ahead, mate. Go on with your bad self, girl. Look, is she infringing on your territory with the singing, though? Or, or you know. No, or, no. We, we got a duet coming out. We're going to be Roberta Flack and Jimmy Hathaway. <laughs> Not Ike and Tina. <laughs> I should beat my ass. <laughs> Look. Shamika, you, I wish I had talked to you before I wrote my column. <coughs> I would have liked to have included some of those points you're making there because he, he is standing up here like this is a public health issue. And, and, and there will be more black people drop dead from diabetes, hypertension, stroke, what obesity and all Sugar. that than anything else. By, by COVID, it'll out this is COVID by miles. Hold it. What about bullets? Yeah, but that dude. <laughs> <laughs> What's the number one killer of black people? Bullets. <laughs> right. Literally. I just read something today. I think there were 5,000 more homicides in 2020 than in 2019 from the whole defund the police movement or whatever. Homicides have gone up. And, and again, Let's see Kareem attach his name in any kind of aggressive way to the gang violence that does ravage our communities and kills our young people. Won't touch it. This is what bothers me most about Kareem is, is again, in the 1960s, he, he changed his name. He was a radical. He was a revolution. Now he's just a shill for corporate America, and I think it's because he's halfway broke. And then for the man to sit up here and talk about responsibilities as a celebrity, as if that's some standard to live up to, it just blows my mind how easily these guys sell out and then want to portray Kyrie Irving as, as if he's the sellout, if he's the irresponsible one. Kareem's in his 70s. He, sh- he should damn, he, he, he needs to know better and do better. Man, do you remember back in the day, I could be wrong, but wasn't Kareem <laughs> an avid weed smoker before it was popular? Absolutely. I mean, I'm just saying, bro, what do you, you was an avid weed smoker. No, yeah. I think he still is. So, now, 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 this is what I am curious about. And maybe Miss Shamika can help me with this. How does being a weed smoker work with being a Muslim? <laughs> Ain't that right up there with dating a white woman? <laughs> and eating pork. There you go. <laughs> and the, I heard that both of them the same thing. I was just going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> you hit a cigarette or a white woman, I damn near kill you in the end. <laughs> well, I, I will say I like bacon. <laughs> I just got to keep it real. Uh, <laughs> what do you think of my analogy of Kyrie Irving to Muhammad Ali? You know, I like that he's actually taking a stand, and I have no issue with the analogy because that's what we need. You know, they are upset because he's questioning the efficacy of this vaccine when it started out as it's going to keep you from getting COVID. Then it went to, well, it'll keep you from being in the hospital or you know, keep you from dying. Now people are going in the hospital and dying. So he has the right to say, you know, I've been doing what I've been doing for the last year and a half and I've been fine. I've been social distancing. I haven't. I've been wearing a mask. I haven't. But, you know, and it's been working for me. Why should I have to do something different? And they're questioning him about that. I just think that's ridiculous. He has every right to ask a question. And I did not appreciate Kareem trying to say that he's ignorant for wanting to study more and do some research before he puts something into his body. I don't like that he made that correlation between a dumb job and him actually researching and deciding this is not right for me. You know, we're all willing to make, take our own risks. You know, there's certain things that I won't do. I won't drink and drink. Well, I will. I won't get pissy drunk and drive, you know. <laughs> so, but you know, could, could you explain way- pissy drunk for some of our audience? <laughs> could you go back and explain pissy drunk for some? I can't let you get away with pissy drunk. I, I can't let you get away. Pissy drunk is what what happened with my ex when he peed in the bed. I'm assuming that's what pissy drunk is. 
So I wouldn't get pissy drunk and then drive. But, you know, I will take a few sips and then get behind the wheel. But I won't go bungee jumping without protective gear. So there are certain risks I'm not willing to take. I think if people are willing to take this risk, they know what it is, let them do it. And I'm sick of hearing vaccinated people talk about being scared of the unvaccinated. If you're so scared of the unvaccinated, stay home. Listen, I don't like seeing fat women in bikinis, but I don't tell them that they can't go to the beach. I take the necessary precautions before I go, knowing that I may see them. I make sure that I didn't just eat so my food would stay down. And if at any time they're blocking the sun, I just quietly move my chair to the left or the right. But I don't say this side of the beach is for skinny people and that side is for the beach whales that want to tan. Listen, we're all out there together and and that's just the way it is. I would never tell them they couldn't be at the beach. Mm. She called them beach whales, bro. <laughs> she called them beach whales. Having been mistaken for one, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to, but I totally agree. You were mistaken for a beached whale. <laughs> <laughs> Having been mistaken for one, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to go there, but I, I totally agree with you in terms of we are trying to make the unvaccinated second and third class citizens in this country. And I just can't believe people think this is right and, and, and it's sustainable. It, it, it's this level of segregation. And, and I, this is where I got to give credit to Black Lives Matters, at least in New York. Uh, they're making a, an actual principal stance. They're looking at black people get kicked out of restaurants in New York and they're trying to do something about it. Or, you know, the, the unvaccinated because black people, we're like two thirds, two thirds of us haven't gotten the vaccine. And so we're being punished the harshest over these uh, vaccine mandates and restrictions. And and I got to give Black Lives Matter. It shocked the hell out of me. They actually got something right for a change. Shamika, were, were you shocked by this? You know, it's finally I can support Black Lives Matter on something because, you know, now I'm not going <laughs> to give my money for them to funnel it to the left, but I will applaud them and support them and push them and cheer them on. So, yes, if two thirds of black people are not taking this vaccine and you're saying we can't sit and have dinner, then I can understand why people are comparing it to the civil rights movement. Look, I I'm on a meeting every Monday with one of the four who sat in Greensboro, North Carolina at a Woolworth lunch counter and demanded to be served. So I think that is is very plausible that they're actually comparing this and I think they should stand up and I completely support Black Lives Matter on this this particular thing. I'm 100% behind them. I'm almost wondering, and again, I think it's just the New York element, but that guy or whoever, the New York has always kind of had an independent streak because I think they criticized the national people for all the money they were taking and spending and buying new homes and called for a direct audit, audit of what was going on with the national organization. I can see uh, Black Lives Matter is eventually collapsing in on itself. And because I think there's been so much corruption, so much illogic, that the corruption and illogic cannot stand forever or, or for that much longer. And eventually they're going to uh, turn against each other, which because this can't be on script because the, the, the Black Lives Matter deal has been arm in arm with the Democrat Party and the left uh, in, in every scenario. And to see them pivot away on this one, this this particular topic, I think COVID and these vaccine uh, mandates, I think are, are going to be the impetus to finally to get black people to wake up and go, hold on, man. All this group think, all this forced think that we're supposed to have Kareem sitting out here talking about responsibilities of celebrities. I think the mandate deal is going to cause black people to take a second look at the Democratic Party and our forced allegiance to the Democratic Party. Do, do you see that 
happening at all, uh, Shamika, in terms of this could be the issue that finally triggers us to take a new approach? Yeah, we're not going to let you jeopardize our pork chops. Now, you're talking about we can't go here and eat. That's when we're going to draw the line in the sand. You're going to go too far, and they're about to see, you know, what you really like. <laughs> you know what? I, 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 that actually brings me to a good analogy. If they start requiring a uh, vaccine for the chicken sandwich at Popeye's, all hell could break loose. Right. <laughs> <laughs> It's over with. What are you? What? Jim, have you seen the lines at Popeyes? Yes, I've seen the lines. That chicken sandwich. Jason. What? Okay, I understand. I mean, look. You're telling me that's not the truth. Hey, look, they, Raiders fans is lining up taking the vaccine. So what's worse? In order to get into a Raiders game, you got to take the vaccine. Now tell me how crazy they are. I did, you know, I, just being out there, I just, I just saw that firsthand. I saw the levels, the lengths people went into to get into that game, trying to get their vaccine papers in order for a football. And that's, again, that's how they're using popular culture to enforce behavior and thoughts on all of us. And I just think there's going to be a breaking point at some point. Jason, how are we mixing going through my backpack, safety, security, and here's my medical records. You, you want to see a copy of whether I paid my rent to? I mean, how does that work? Jim, you ain't even talking about the x-ray machines that basically strip you down naked and they can see what they can see every it's, it's, part it's, it's, of it. See everything you ain't got. <laughs> there you go. I mean, you know, you said this also. You, you, you said that you, you, you think that Black Lives Matter is going to go away. Yeah. You know, man, I, I, I didn't think about this, but I bet you in about six or seven years, it won't be Black Lives Matter. It'll be Light Lives Matter. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It'll change. It, it'll just keep going up a little bit. You know, Mulatto Lives Matter. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Just watch. Shamika, well, thank I'm, you so much. Uh, oh, go ahead. You got final comment. I'll let you go. No, I was going to say Uncle Jimmy may be right because it's normally the mulattoes that are the loudest in trying to prove how black they are. When you look at... Um, oh, Go ahead. You don't hit a home run now. Ooh. Take as much time as you want. <laughs> you don't hit a home run. You know, when you look at... Uh, what's his name? Trevor Noah. He's so loud. Colin Kaepernick was so loud. They wanted to be prove how black they were when if you hold their head underwater, you know, we may not be sure. So, you know, I think they're the loudest. So Uncle Jimmy saying that they may be, it may, you know, progress to that. I think he's absolutely right. And when you talk about the Raiders and the Bills making sure their people are vaccinated and you're saying, how do we go through security and mix medical records? I'm trying to figure out how do we mix medical records with getting a, a medium Besides popcorn and a slushy, you know how how is that? And they're back vaccinating people on the scene. I don't understand that. What's happening now is ridiculous, and I just don't understand how people can't see that it's foolishness. I just don't understand it. Mm. Mm. Thank you, Shamika. Uh, she just landed on my final topic. Thank you so much. Great job. I've been saying it for years, and people get upset with me every time I said it. I was glad to hear someone else say it, because the conversation goes on in private all the time. And, and just for the record, everybody knows I got no problem with interracial dating, and would, but for the grace of God, would have a mulatto child. Having said that, having said that, the mixed race kids, the, the light, bright, damn near white kids that bend over backwards. To sit with the really curly hair. Bend over backwards trying to prove how black they are. It drives me crazy. And, and it's not that I have a problem with them or their parents or anything, any of that. But we, the society, the culture does something to them that makes them feel like, oh my God, I must 
leap tall buildings with a single bound to prove to everybody how black I am. And so they're, they're the ones that see racism around every corner. And she's exactly right. Colin Kaepernick, Trevor Noah. Trevor Noah's ain't even from America and from South Africa and wants to come over here and talk shit on us and what's going on in this country drives me absolutely. He's not funny. He's <coughs> these people are getting platforms by choice. The handlers, the puppet masters know that there's a profile that you you, you want to get a dumb job, give him a big platform because he's so stupid. He's only going to say what you tell him to say. Or a mixed race person who's confused about their identity and uh, they're going to stay on script because they don't even really know who they are. A lot. And I'm not saying all, it doesn't apply to all of them, but there's a profile. Now I'm in Nakasaki. There's a profile and they follow to a script. It's, it is what it is. All right, if you're looking for a boost in the morning, then you need a built bar. Mm. Waiting to try something that's healthy for you but still tastes great, you need a built bar. Looking for the best protein bar in the game? You need a Built Bar. Built Bars are full of flavor, but they aren't full of sugars and calories. That's how they're able to absolutely blow their competitors away. No more will you look towards those other brands you see at the grocery store. The flavors you get from Built Bar, like raspberry cheesecake, salted caramel, double chocolate, are truly amazing, and you should try them right now. And when you order online, you get the chance to get limited time special offers on their other flavors like double cookie dough chunk before they are available for anyone else. Go to built.com, use the promo code fearless to save 15% off your first order. Use promo code fearless for 15% off at built.com. Welcome back. Fearless with Jason Whitlock. Time to roll out to Chicago. Bring in our man Greg Couch, Uncle Jimmy's favorite columnist. Hey man, I love me some Greg. Yeah, I'm serious. You wish you had hair like Greg, probably. That's that's. I wish I. Hey, Greg got a nice little hairline though. I ain't gonna lie. He every every day for Greg get on, he go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think Greg believes Matt Stafford, quarterback for the Rams, is the best player in football this year so far. Uh, Greg, did, did I have this? Do I have this right? The three and O Rams and their new quarterback, best player in football. I definitely think he is, but I think he's really the most amazing player just because look, you spend 12 years with the Detroit lions and you got to come out wondering whether you're just a loser deep in your heart. Right. I mean, there's a culture there and you've been trained how to lose. You've been, you know, practicing how to lose. You've been on a field losing 12 years later, he walks out here and basically gets his release from, you know, for good behavior from Detroit and says, hey, can I play for the Rams? They let him do it. And now he's great. I mean, I, I think it's impressive. I mean, I've been I am a coach. I'm a college tennis coach. And I walked into the worst college program in America and they were all losers. Right. I mean, I, I don't mean it like they're bad people, but they'd been trained to lose. They all they knew is how to lose. And my number one woman on the team, best player the school's ever had was telling me the first year, she goes, yeah, I, th I want to miss these first two matches because I have a family vacation. I said, but I just, I wouldn't let her do it. I didn't want the freshman I'd recruited to see that sort of losing attitude. It's a hard thing to break. It's it's something you have to scrub from your soul, basically. And uh, I, I'm surprised, I'm shocked, I'm amazed at how well Stafford's been able to do it already in just three games. You know, I was always a big Matt Stafford fan. And I use, I'm saying this as a gambler, I, would, I was always a guy that bet the Detroit Lions because I always felt like, literally, I would tell people, oh, Matt Stafford's going to get them a late fourth, fourth quarter touchdown to cover, to cover the spread. I'm not saying they're going to win, but he's, he made them a threat all the time in Detroit. And again, it's not that they won a bunch of games, but f for me, I, I just, Matt Stafford was never part of the problem in Detroit, and I felt like, given an opportunity and I'm trying to think if there's if, if there's any analogy in NFL history similar to Matt Stafford where uh, a, a great player finally gets in the right situation Rich Gannon when he went to the Raiders but but, but I was thinking they went to the Super Bowl no, no I was thinking Rich Gannon but he never 
you know, he didn't have that long playing history that Matt Stafford did. Matt you mean his three games that Matt Stafford got right now? No. I'm saying the long run he had in Detroit with all that losing. Rich came off the bench a bunch of places and then finally did get the shot in, in, in Oakland and made the most of it. But I, I, I can't think of anybody else with, with his kind of talent or that kind of high draft stock that perhaps got a chance to go someplace else and, and really you saw the best part of them post 30. And it may just be a byproduct of, of this era that quarterbacks are now playing longer. And so Matt, he's played 12 years, but hell, he may play another 12. Ain't that what Tom Brady just did in Tampa Bay? No, t- no. <laughs> Ain't that what Tom Brady just did in Tampa Bay? No. Greg, I'll let you take it from there. No, Tell, explain to him why it's not Tom Brady. <laughs> I mean, Tom Brady was just in a winning situation at all times, of course, you know, but I can't really think of anyone who switched over and got the better chance either. I mean, but I mean, in Chicago here, we had Dick Butkus and Gail Sayers who never even played one playoff game. And they're some of the greatest players of all time. And I just wonder what would have happened. What would they have done had they gone to a great team? And and you wonder a little bit. You look at like a Hall of Fame and you start thinking some of these guys who racked up amazing numbers. So they're in the Hall of Fame. They were on championship teams. What would they have done on the, on the bad teams? What would they have done for the Detroit Lions or for the Cubs for 100 years before when they were losing? You know, I just wonder how much of this of the culture skews things, you know. And actually, I think it's even a problem right now. I'm curious looking at what's about to happen right now in the NFL. I mean, you look at, uh, you know, you, you look at Justin Fields with the Bears and he's already terrible after he was a, a winner at Ohio State. And you look at Zach Wilson with the Jets, he's getting worse already. You just kind of wonder whether these careers are, are about to fold or about to go the wrong way. I, I mean, Matt Stafford's really uh, sort of changed the way I'm looking at things and opening my eyes. Greg, Greg, are you are you and Jason both going to sit here and tell me that Tom Brady going to Tampa Bay was not a better situation than what he had in New England? Yeah, it was a better situation. Okay, and he won. But the that's not our point. Our point was Matt Stafford sat in Detroit for a decade losing and now is getting a chance to show his greatness and to be a winner. Tom Brady's been a winner since day one. <sighs> okay. Look, all right, listen, Greg, I was going to agree with you on this, but all right, he only done won three games, man. If we're going to go with this, then you're going to have to say that. What's that boy's name in Denver? What's his name? Teddy Bridgewater. Bridgewater. You're going to have to say he's great. I mean, you got to say he's great. Who's the other? You got to say David Carr is great. Derek Carr. I mean, same thing. <laughs> okay. I mean, have- I, I, think, I think Derek Carr might be better than – might be better than uh, – your, your guy in the, with the Rams right now. But Matt Stafford has the numbers for his whole career. He's just been on a losing team. He's, I think he was the first quarterback, the youngest quarterback to ever throw for 20,000 yards, the youngest at 30,000, the youngest at 40,000. This guy's had the numbers. He's done. He's shown his individual skill all along. You know, even in college, his, his junior year, his last year at Georgia, he was a Heisman Trophy favorite. Georgia was ranked number one, and he racked up these amazing numbers. I think he had a game against Georgia Tech. I think he had five or six touchdowns and 400 yards passing, and they lost. And at some point, you just wonder, you know, how much of this is a great player doesn't necessarily – a great skilled player doesn't necessarily become a great player. There's, there's more to it than that. I mean, I've just been impressed. You're right. Three games, probably too soon to to already put a crown on the guy. But, I mean, he beat Tampa Bay. You know, he beat Tom Brady. This is a pretty good start, and uh, the Rams look like a Super Bowl kind of team against maybe the Ravens. I'm, the guy I just came up with, but I was trying to do the research to find out how many Super Bowls he played in, but and, and it's not a great analogy because he started his career in this city, then moved to the New York Giants, then went back to the Minnesota Vikings. Fran Tarkington okay. was somebody I was thinking of that when he went back to Minnesota uh, the second time around with Bud Grant as the coach, I I think they appeared in, I think, at least two Super Bowls during that era, maybe more. Big more. And John Gilliam as a wide receiver. They had who? John Gilliam as a wide receiver. I don't remember that. There you go. Okay, look it up. (laughs) Look it up. Carl Eller had a... a, Yeah, they, they had a lot of... 
Uh, I'm trying to Chuck Foreman. I played yes. around the golf with Chuck Foreman uh, once really? in Kansas City. Great guy, the running back for them. But Fran Tarkington may be because Fran Tarkington was talented with Minnesota the first time with uh, the New York Giants when he played there, made some Pro Bowls. He was all he was always a good quarterback. But it wasn't until he got to Minnesota and made those Super Bowl appearances that he kind of stamped himself also as a winner. Uh, so maybe we're looking at a, a modern day, uh, you know, Fran Tarkington. You, you mentioned uh, Justin Fields, and we were talking earlier. Uh, I don't know if you could look any worse than than the Chicago <laughs> Bears did yesterday. I mean, you don't know that because you haven't been watching them every year like I have. You know, Wait, I've watched plenty of Bears. <laughs> I've watched plenty of Bears quarterbacks looking like that. But yeah, what do you have? Forty-seven yards and nine nine sacks, but. You know, but really, I think the, the issue was uh, Matt Nagy, the coach. I mean, he, he's that's that's coaching malpractice. What he just did to 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 Fields. I mean, that's ridiculous. Fields was, you know, he dropped back and he fake a handoff left and turn around and there's Miles Garrett in his face, about to eat his lunch for him. Exactly. I mean, he didn't have time for this. He, you know, he didn't have time. I think he called three running plays for Fields the whole game, and uh, you know, he did nothing to help Fields. You know, we saw it a few weeks ago. You know, when he put, uh, you know, he. <laughs> Uh, Nagy is running the same offense he ran last year with a different quarterback, right? So you thought, well, why is he not changing things for his quarterback? So now we go to Fields and he's doing the exact same thing again. He doesn't know how to tailor the offense for the for the quarterback. Nagy's got to go. This is ridiculous. He's going to get Fields killed out there. You know, Nagy comes off that uh, Andy Reid tree yes. in Kansas City. Uh, you know, Doug Peterson, uh, did I get that right? Wasn't it Doug Peterson, Peterson. the yeah. Eagles coach? He came off that tree and had success with the Eagles. Uh, but Nagy's failure, Peterson eventually petered out in Philadelphia. That doesn't bode well to me for uh, Eric Bieniemy. That, yeah. that sometimes, and again, this is what I believe. You play for a great head coach like that, even as a coach, and that's like why Belichick's assistants haven't done well, in my view, because they don't have to do a lot working for Belichick. You don't have to do a lot working for Andy Reid, particularly on the offensive side of the football in Kansas City. And so you'll get all that shine. <laughs> I mean, God, that's Bill Belichick's assistant. And you'll get the shine, but who knows if you can actually deliver. You've been being carried by Belichick. You've been being carried by Andy Reid. This, this is what happens and how these guys get exposed, and it seems to be happening uh, to Matt Nagy. Uh, and that, we'll, we'll get into this the rest of the week. Uh, I, will say but, that's a, I will say that's a failure of these head coaches, right? If you're a boss, your job is to prepare the people beneath you for the next job up. No. So, no. You don't agree with that? No, no. no. Not in the NFL. Bill Belichick's job is to win football games. And so he surrounds himself with people that can help him as an assistant coach win football games. Preparing them to be the head coach, that's a nice thing to do, but it, it hasn't slowed the Patriots down. And I don't think it's, it's slowed Andy Reid down in any way. You know, not Andy Reid's only won one Super Bowl, but he's always puts out super competitive uh, football teams. He, he's got three Super Bowl appearances. And so I, I think it's, it's great. I think we talked about it with Tony Dungy last week that, you know, Tony's ability to prepare other men to go on to be head coaches, Mike Tomlin, Herm Edwards, things, that's Leslie Frazier. Great feather in Herm's cap. God bless him for doing it. But I think most owners would, would rather have uh, Belichick or Andy Reid, and, and, and that's uh, Tony's awesome coach. I'm not, let me be clear about that. But all they care about is how many Super Bowl appearances, how many Super Bowls did we win, you know, whether your assistants can do their jobs when they leave here, when they leave our organization and become a head coach, who cares? Why do you care? I mean, they shouldn't have to leave the organization. They should be, everybody should be ready to move up to the next job. I mean, that's how you keep the system going. That's, that's how the program stays intact. You're right. You can go out and find another uh, offensive coordinator or something, but if you develop your quarterback's coach for the job, you know, all the better. I think that's part of the job of a manager. Mm. I don't I don't know because if you're Belichick and you've been there 20 years are you really worried about uh, and you plan to be there for 30 do you really care about developing the guy that's going to replace you 
I mean, you should if you want to keep your program intact. But, I mean, there's always people out there to take a job. I'm not saying he wouldn't be able Jimmy, to find Jimmy, let me some. be clear on this, Jim. I'm not preparing you to replace me. Are, you, are, we, are we clear on that? Are we clear on that? That's not what the hell you told me. I'm not preparing <laughs> you to replace And I don't care whether you replace me or not. And if you do replace me, I expect you to do a worse job than me. That's your role. <laughs> Sounds like he used to work at the sheriff's department. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, seriously, they used to do that at the sheriff's department. Like, here, we want you to train this deputy to take my job. <laughs> okay. Put a zero right behind that every time. Yeah. Hey, I wish I would train my, train my replacement. Uh, <laughs> That's not that. Here, man, this is how my wife like it. Now, this is how you need to do her. If you don't do it like that, she ain't going to be happy. <laughs> I tend to agree with you, Uncle Jimmy. Uh, I'm just saying. Greg is preparing the, the, mail, the mailman to be the man of the house. <laughs> mailman be delivering mail like. <laughs> <laughs> My wife loves this. <laughs> Thank you, Greg. Thank you. All right, go to YouTube.com slash Jason Whitlock. Hit that subscribe, like button, leave a comment. I'll make sure we read them. All right, Uncle Jimmy has a Bible story, and we got an approval rating on Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Next! Welcome back. Time for a Bible story. I hope you got something good because I need it. I just came up. I just came from Sin City, which I'm going to just tell you something. It's very interesting being in Sin City and wearing your Christianity on your sleeve. Makes for a very quiet, pleasant, inexpensive trip. Okay. So it's like going to a strip club with your Christianity no. in your wallet. No. Absolutely. What happens is... When they go to the strip club and you go to bed, that, <laughs> that's what happens. <laughs> I mean, like the time when you and I went to Vegas and you wanted to go to the strip club and I stayed. That was a previous version of myself. That was a previous version of myself. And I'm just, I'm trying to work with you, bro. Yeah. So I was, I was actually in bed by 10 o'clock at night every night. I believe you. It was awesome. That's what happens when you get 55. <laughs> Not quite there yet, Wait, but... Let me tell you something. You ain't got there yet. It'll come a time where you'll take a good nap over a good little piece of kadunky. You understand me? You'll be like, man, I get girl, I get you in the morning. It was awesome. It was, I got so many good stories and just... I still had fun, uh, but nothing... I did nothing I was ashamed of. That was awesome. Terrible weekend, huh? <laughs> it, was, it was awesome. Only thing I'm ashamed of is that flight I had to take home. In the Tylenol capsule. And <laughs> <laughs> that little Southwest Peachtree dish of... Uh, <laughs> that's, that, when you start rolling around with people that got more freedom than you, and they just decide, like, uh, hey, man, we're leaving on Monday. I'm like, what? We leave it on Monday. That's when the jet leaves. <laughs> that's, that's when, when our oh, jet leaves. They schedule the jet. They tell the jet when to leave. Exactly. But they, we were supposed to leave on you Sunday. You flew on a plane. Yeah. They flew on a jet. <laughs> <laughs> no, I flew back on a plane. Uh, anyway. You ready, man? Yeah, I am. I need a Bible story, though. Um, yeah. Now, this story today I'm going to talk about. <clears throat> I'm going to try to do this. But I'm going to talk about Samson. You familiar with Samson? I am familiar with Samson. He had the, the hair. Okay. That, that, that's what you got from him. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's what you I'm going to let you tell the Bible. I'm just story. asking. See, first, let me tell you this. Samson was a pugilist. A pugilist, a fighter. It, it means he was cold with them hands. Yeah. Okay. The Bible also said, now it says it, said that he tore a lion from limb to limb on the way to a wedding. Wow. Okay. The, the Bible said that Samson had the strength of 100 men. Wow. The Bible said that Samson killed 1,200 Philistine soldiers with the jawbone of an ass. With the jawbone of an ass. A donkey? I, did you hear me? I didn't say he pulled a bone out of his ass. 
I said he beat him with the jawbone of an ass. He beat him with the jawbone of a donkey. Donkey, okay, that's what I thought, yeah. Okay, now, I, it, it got to the point that, 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 they said that they said that Samson just had great strength, and they realized they couldn't do nothing about Samson's strength. So the Philistines, the, the Philistines and, and the Gaza men, they decided, hey man, we can't lose no more men to Samson and this foolishness. Okay? So they decided they was gonna act like Prop Joe from the wire and call a co-op. Okay. The Philistines wanted to call a co-op. With Samson. Well, no, no, they didn't want Samson. Oh. They, they called the co-op to say that Samson is a problem. Oh. oh. Saying, what we gonna do with Samson? Because everybody that was there agreed, Samson's a problem. Gotcha, gotcha. He was the Jimmy McNulty. It was like they were, ho- if the wire, you said, Prop Joe, it's like, Jimmy McNulty's a problem. We gotta do something about him. He's got the, our phones tapped. We gotta do something about Jimmy McNulty and the police. All right, now I got you. Bottom line, Samson was a problem. We gotta do something. Gotcha. Okay, and, and you know how our people are, man. We say desperate times calls for desperate measures. Yeah. Okay, so this meant that they had to pull out the big guns. They, 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 they had to pull out Lady Delilah with the big double Ds <laughs> from the south side. Okay? They told Delilah, they bought her in there, they said, Delilah, listen here, this is what we're going to do. They said, we're going to pay you $1,100 a piece. That's five of them. They said, all we need you to do is bring us Samson. Now, see, now you, let me tell you something about Delilah. Delilah sit up there and counted that money real quick. Delilah realized back then that's a lot of money. That's enough money to set her and her family up to be reality stars for the rest of their life. Jim, I got to interject here. This reminds me of a story when I first, first went into TV in a real, real way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I can remember a Delilah kept asking me <laughs> to take her to this event. And it's like, it's like, now look, I know I'm popular. I, I know I got a good job or whatever, but this Delilah was just too good to be true. Mm-hmm. And I can remember, and I, I can remember going to an event with this Delilah, sweating during the event, like I'm being set up. I know this is a setup. And I can remember leaving and walking home and leaving Delilah there because of my paranoia that I was being set up. So I'm hoping Samson's spidey senses were as smart as mine, but go ahead. Well, first of all, let me just say this. Don't nobody really know what happened. Don't nobody really know what Delilah did to Samson. Word on the street was she kissed him in a secret no-no spot and made him boldly go where no man had ever gone before. That's exactly the scenario I was hoping to avoid. Hope, Because I was tempted to ask for that kiss and knew that if I did, it could be the end of my career. And, and, but it continued. Yeah, That's why I, mean, I walked my butt home. I, I hope Samson walked his butt home. Continue well, with the story. Bottom line was, she got to doing all of that. And you, 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 you know, in other words, she turned the boy out. Samson up here talking, ah, it's my hair. It's my hair. My strength is in my hair. Ooh, girl, don't stop. Don't stop. See what I'm saying? Yeah. After that, Samson sucked his thumb. He he told her, he he told her his strength. He told her the passwords. He he, he, he told her the offshore accounts. (laughs) And everything he didn't know, he made up. And then he sat up here, sucked his thumb, curled up in the fetal position, and went to sleep. Been there. Thus, letting Delilah cut off his seven braids, she called the Philistines, bring me my money. Okay? And the Philistines, and the Philistines came, got Samson. They took Samson, and they said the first thing they did to him was gouged his eyes out and blinded him. This, this is what they did. Okay? Gouged his eyes out and blinded him. And you know why he went through all of this, Jason? Because he could not control his infidelity. Lust. He OD'd on infidelity. Sex is our greatest idol, Jim. Jason, you I know. I just watched a sermon this weekend. Okay. Minister out of uh, Indianapolis 
talking about how sex is our greatest idol and the wickedness of idolatry and how we become obsessed with sex and we make all kinds of bad decisions. Continue on, Jim. Well, here's the moral of the story. Yeah. Just to keep it just short, and just like, just like I, my sex life, short and sweet. Look here, man. The moral of this story is Samson was the strongest man on earth. But all it took was one woman to bring him to his knees. Huh? I'm going to tell you like R. Kelly told Gail King. Fight! <laughs> I don't know how to hog tie people. <laughs> Jim, that's a heck of a story. And it's one I can definitely relate to. And uh, sometimes, literally, it just comes down to thinking like, Am I being set up? This is too good to be true. What, what, what is going on here? And it's, it's, not to, it's not to vilify women. Really, you should look in the mirror and vilify yourself because a woman can only do to a man what a man allows. Okay. And, and a lot of times we as men won't, we won't women to do that to us yes. that we allow them to do. Yes. I mean, eventually you have to you have to take your life has to be bigger than sexual pleasure. And it took me some years to figure that out and I'm so glad it, it's in I'm in such a better spot Definitely. now. And, and not that I've ever been in a horrible, hor yeah, no, I can take that back. I've been in a horrible spot as it relates to that. But that, that's a good Bible story. And I hope people uh, get the message behind that because, and they should, I'm trying. 1,200 men with the jawbone of an ass. That's, that's, that, that's a bad man. All right, let's get to our approval rating. Let's get it, buddy. Uh, Who are we doing Kareem here? Abdul -Jabbar. That's the first Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I don't want no parts of this. What? Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is a fake and a phony, but his job performance is to be a fake and a phony. And so he's doing a good job as it relates to job performance. He's a fake and a phony now. He's a shill for the government. He's an MK Ultra asset. Oh, my God. I got, <laughs> he's I got, an agent of chaos. There you go. I got him at a 23. I got him at a 25. Yeah, I figured that. You, you like MK Ultra assets. Uh, character. Uh, this man wants people to live up to the responsibilities of celebrity. Did you not see this man in the movie Airplane? Did you not, did you not see him when the, when the little boy said, I know you, you're Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. <laughs> My dad said you don't play hard except for the playoffs. That was a great character. <laughs> I liked him better in Enter the Dragon uh, with Bruce Lee. So. He looked stupid as hell. <laughs> I liked that. But he had that little bitty old tight gi on coming up to here fight, man. He one of my favorite Stop. movies. Come I on. give him a one in character. He has none. He's virtually none. Uh, authenticity, I think he's inauthentic and a fraud. Uh, his attack on Kyrie Irving, an unvaccinated player, I give him a two in authenticity. Hey, man, I give him a 25. He kept it real. He told that brother very articulate. He sent Kyrie Irving a very strongly worded email to tell him how he felt. That's keeping it real. <laughs> it factor... Uh, you know, seven foot two doesn't age well. <laughs> seven foot two's fine when you're in your 20s and 30s, but at 74, that's gotta be a real problem. I mean, I'm 50 something, and getting up off the toilet's a struggle for me. Could you imagine if I was seven foot? <laughs> hey man, Kareem is starting to look like some, some of the wires is coming loose. Be talking like, yeah, uh, I remember in 72. I was playing for the Bucks. <laughs> so I Whatever him, it is, he ain't got it. Yeah, I give him a three in it factor. I give him a nine. Mm. I got him at a 29 dumpster fire. Somehow you have him at an 83 smoke show. Remember, Kareem liked to smoke. <laughs> <laughs> he is a smoke show. Okay, then. All right, that's it, and that's all for us. Enjoy. Well, it's Monday. It's Monday. What'd you say? Enjoy your weekend. You want to have another one, huh? Enjoy the rest. No, I don't. I need to <laughs> keep my butt right here in Nashville. Now, this. Now, now if you would have had tomorrow, you know what? I tried to get tomorrow to come out. Couldn't make it. Damn. First, uh, Adele. Now, tomorrow. Couldn't make it. Boy, you. She was going to get me into Wally's. 
out there. Ooh. I was gonna. I told her I'd be in bed by nine, though. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what was that supposed to mean? <laughs> Freedom. I just want, I wanna be, I just want.